0: everyone welcome back to reality 2.0 i am Catherine juckman doc searles is back with us this week after a a little vacation slash (laughs) conference and he's going to tell us a little bit about that but before we get started i want to remind everyone to check out our website at reality2cast.com where you can find all of our extra links you can sign up for our newsletter which we will occasionally send out and also thank you i have recently updated the list of patreon supporters and coffee supporters you are now listed on the on the website, and thank you very much for that. So, Doc, tell us tell yeah. us about uh, tell us about your trip.
1: Yeah. So, first, I want to say that an interesting thing about our newsletter is that newsletters are getting more common and more and, and more often, and so we bother you yes. less often <laughs> than some. Yes, other it's a feature. It's a feature. It's a feature that we're not we're not constant in trying to just fill your head with stuff. Um, okay. So, DWebCamp, the DWeb stands for decentralized web. If you go to dwebcamp.org and look around, you'll find out more about it. There's an origin story, it goes back to 2016. My version of it is that Brewster Kahle of the Internet Archive basically either sponsored or called it, called this thing into existence back then. And this is the first one I've been to. So I'm not that familiar with the history. I wanted to go to some earlier ones. I can say that this is one of the very few, or perhaps even the only conference that I've gone to since the early nineties, when I worked for my own company and they paid for it, that I've actually paid to go to a conference and where I was not a speaker. And generally I'm a speaker or I'm at a panel or some other thing like that. And I get in for, you know, for either nothing or they pay me so that this is different. This is, this is one where, where not only I, but my wife Joyce and I both went and it was very worthwhile and it was very, very productive. It was held in the, um, it was a four-day thing. It ran from like Wednesday through Saturday, and then people left on Sunday. So you could even think of it as kind of a five-day thing. I and mean, I think there's some people that showed up earlier, like on Tuesday, a lot of the staff showed up then. So it, for them, it's a, the better part of a week. And it was held in a place called Camp Navarro, which is in some really tall second growth redwoods in the north coast of California in Medicino County, of, you know Mendocino County at all. It's kind of a wine, wine country that goes to fishing along the coast. And you have to go through a lot of beautiful wilderness to get there. I say second growth, redwoods, because all of the redwoods that were there mostly were in circles that surrounded a really gigantic tree trunk that got cut down, I'm guessing, 50 to 80 years ago. And they cut them down like 7, 8, 10 feet off the ground because it's nothing but straight timber above that. This isn't done anymore, I think. And for the most part, old growth is still standing and they're mostly getting second growth like these guys were. But 150, 200 foot tall trees, which are spectacular. And and the smell of redwood duff everywhere. And, and of course, being California in the summer, it hasn't rained there for months. And so it's very dry. But anyway, and of course, there's a constant threat sort of fire <laughs> because it's California <laughs> in the summer. And there's plenty of evidence of fire because some of these redwoods that are the old redwood stumps have fire scars on them. Redwood is the California state tree, and significantly, it's adapted to fire. A, a mature redwood doesn't have branches for like 150, 200 feet up, and fire can go through and wipe out everything around the ground, and they survive. Uh, they're kind of wonderfully adapted that way. Anyhow, it it was it it was all about the distributed web or the distributed internet and redistributing, um, or the decentralized. Actually, I'm saying distributed. These are kind of interchangeable terms, but they have a subtle and different meaning. I prefer distributed, which is probably why I did what the shrinks call a gestalt substitution there. (laughs) Yes. I prefer it. But decentralized to me means just centralized in another way. But uh, Brian Bellendorf, who was there and is one of the fathers of Apache and works for the Linux Foundation, he has a wonderful way of putting it that what we need is minimum viable centralization. And so the first thing... Well, before I get into that, I want to say more about who was there, because I think it's quite likely that there was not a single Republican in this place. There (laughs) There were people representing every tribe and every gender choice, I think, and stuff like that, very much politically and socially on the left, but not political about it at all. There was very little, if not none, no politics at all there, but it was lots of ceremonies and lots of respect for the land and all that kind of stuff and and i and i mean that in a good way because these are also the people who are, include a lot of programmers it's a very technical conference in many ways who are willing to do to work for lower wages for for doing good in the world and you know there's one programmer i talked to who said that you know he's he's making eighty seven thousand dollars working for a, a non-profit where he could be making three hundred thousand plus working for a big company, and and that's there's a lot of there's a lot of that, and and I like that a lot, and we need that. We need that meaning, customer commons, which is my nonprofit, um, and other nonprofits like it need people like that that are willing willing to take a bit of a haircut to do stuff that's yeah. consequential and positive in the world. So so that was I can identify. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I did
0: work for Linux Journal for a minute. I years, know, you worked for Linux As did Journal. you.
1: <laughs> you can identify with kind of both sides of that thing. Yeah. Um And as can I. I mean, you know, because I've consulted some of the biggest and smallest and, uh, you companies. You got to do what you love. You got to, yeah, at some point you have to do what you love. So a lot of people, they're doing what they love. I want to give props to centralization for a minute, because I think we don't appreciate enough the simple fact that some things really do require a centralization. And those include the stuff you can only do in a cloud, you can only do in a CDN, you can only do when you have scale to begin with. And I say this begrudgedly in some ways, because a lot of the elders there and I kind of saw <laughs> I saw to it that 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 there would be I didn't so much see to it, but I it was suggested, and I kind of promulgated the idea that we should have a gathering of the old geeks, speaking to the younger geeks, because most people were millennials and Gen Z types, or, or you know, under under 40. I would say interesting most of the people are okay. under 40, and I might be wrong about that. You can look at the attendees list and check down through it. But that that's the feel I had, and it was great. But they weren't around when many of them weren't around when even a a poor wizard. Smart, smarter than a muggle, but not a wizard yet or ever like myself could have, you know, an SMTP mail server sitting under my desk with its own IP address and I could have my own web server or more than one of them, I, you know, I have, a, I have a bank of 16 IP addresses that I got from my ISP in 1995 and, and really from 1995 till about 2002. My, I had a bunch of servers running on a bank of IP addresses that I had on fixed lines that went to my house or to my office. It was an office after I got to Santa Barbara, but it it's an office upstairs over an ISP who drilled a hole in their ceiling in my floor to f- fish through some, <laughs> some Cat6, you know, so I could jack that into my RJ45s and, you know, and, and by Ethernet to have a T1 connection, which in those days was like a good thing. And I I could run these servers. And we had a, a server that did nothing but, you know, run a cron job that pushed whatever I wrote for Linux Journal up to Seattle, which is where Linux Journal was at the time. And those were all manageable by me. You know, I could open mm-hmm. a shell and I could do stuff on it. And um, and I could call people who knew more than I did and walk me through doing the more complicated stuff. But once in Santa Barbara in I think it's maybe even in the house I'm in now might have been in the house before it We've lived in many houses um my mail server, according to a friend of mine who happened to work for Google and was much smarter than me and could look into these things had like a nest of porn sites, I never knew anything about <laughs> sitting on it. Um, serving up porn to the world and I never knew about the damn thing and so. And I think it was after I I got banned or something by somebody like, you've got a you've got a crappy IP address there. That's that's sending awful things out into the world. Oh, well, okay that was me. That was my box. (laughs) And at that point, I, I turned over my mail to a box at Rackspace. And, you know, and that was in a rack at Rackspace. And later Rackspace decided it belonged in a cloud because clouds are easier for them to manage. And so that's where stuff went. And we need AWS. We need a lot of this stuff. And I, I want to I respect that. The problem is we lost autonomy somewhere in here. And and we forgot what it was like. And maybe it was modeled wrong. Maybe it was from an age that had to pass. But some value got passed along with it. And what we're doing now, and by we, I mean everybody that was at d Camp, is thinking about how we can redistributed this at this out to smaller centers on various edges. So there are people there from IPFS, the interplanetary file system. There are people from solid timbers. Lee's thing that we're doing really interesting stuff. A lot of people doing the SSI stuff dids, which are distributed at the digital IDs, basically digital IDs. Anything can have a digital ID and dids are a method of doing that. That's the W3C standard. Lots of a lot of stuff I hadn't heard heard of before. Sprightly dot institute, check them out. Filecoin sponsored a lot of what was going on mm. there, food and geekery of various kinds. But they also have a foundation that has funded a lot of the stuff that was there, including I believe Sprightly. I can be corrected on that if I'm wrong. Sprightly looks really interesting. That's open source. Um, Beckon B E C K N, which is out of India. A, protocol for demand and supply to signal each other, something that I've been calling for for a hundred years and looks promising. It's part of a bigger, more government oriented or run thing in India, but it has promise and I haven't seen the tech on it, but it's there and some of it at least is open source. That was another one. So, so there are lots and lots of earnest efforts and also around governance. the term governance was very big there and that's why i say there were no republicans there because (laughs) you know generally when they hear words like governance or even community and anything social in it you know it's like it's chalkboard on their minds um and i mean that with a lot of respect because i think that we do need i have very strong libertarian kind of silicon valley libertarian sympathies where i very leery of new laws, I was very enthused about GDPR, not so much about the CCPA and almost not at all about subsequent laws, because I think. I see all of them kind of demoting the individual to being nothing more than a data subject and a pinball in all the big companies machines. Going asking for you know asking for handing over consent everywhere it touches a system, and I think it's just horrible and wrong. But that's the laws kind of comprehend that so what kind of governance do we actually need. If we're going to be civilized because we're civilized you we need governance so there's a an outfit there called Metagov, i think a R- bunch of really smart people there uh, went to sat in on a bunch of sessions there where they talked about all the different kinds of nonprofits you can have and what the advantages and disadvantages were and how what the governance models were for those things really really interesting stuff um which normally would bore my ass off but we're actually (laughs) i can actually use some of that um and it's relevant too to hanging out at the ostrom workshop at indiana university which i'm doing also and her nobel prize eleanor ostrom's nobel prize was in is in governing the commons and so everybody here wants to make a commons of some kind uh including us with customer commons so that's kind of like the top level summary, and i I, recommend go go there next year it'll be again yeah
0: here. About how many people?
1: I don't know. I'm I, looking at the
0: page, I, but I, you know, I can't yeah.
1: I one. think it was. <laughs> it's, a, it's
0: It's not small.
1: It's not small. I, I think it was. I'm gonna say because we were never. Maybe about two hundred. Okay.
0: And I I'm might so it be is small.
1: I might be a hundred and fifty, hundred low. Um, on that, I'm not more than fifty high so so maybe so in the 200s somewhere i'm guessing but there's only one time we we gathered i think and but most of the time we were scattered and literally off into the woods you know i mean there was the you know the redwood cathedral there 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 was kind of fun names for different things the 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 file coin disco or something i mean that was a place where they had audio doing things
0: looking and there seems to be a lot of a lot of file coin talking. A lot of
1: Filecoin. Filecoin was probably the biggest corporate presence there, but the yeah. touch was light. I have to hand it to them. The touch was okay. light.
0: So I'm curious, you mentioned this generational difference in terms of, let's say, level of DIY. So so if you, you have this group of people that's that's working toward individual autonomy and decentralization, do you find that many of them don't remember in the early web that you speak Well, I don't of. think
1: they were there. I mean, in many cases yeah. they weren't there. They were too young. Um, I mean, certainly everybody kind of knows the the origin stories and respects them, um, and I think they respect the people who are involved. Uh, I I don't think that's a problem at all. But I think that they're, you know, the the elders among them, among us who were there. You know, d- do remember and live most of our lives in a world that was not digital and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. where where the Internet was not connecting everything all the time. And um, and when and we went through really a fairly brief period when we did get on where the geekier among us could enjoy a kind of autonomy and yeah. and and real agency. I mean, there I, I mean, I, I I've maybe talked about this too much, but maybe not on the show. I don't know, but my blog which ran you know the original form of it at at the original um url which is still exists i mean it's still on the net uh it's not exactly the same url but the entire corpus is there running on old code but it's preserved code and nobody's busy screwing with it which is actually good in that case um it's actually a doc.weblog.com if you want to see the old one it was there uh that that had up to fifty thousand readers a day, every day, okay. and I felt every day that I was writing for, um, I was write, running a local paper for a collection of interests, and when social media, especially Facebook, came along, Twitter, Twitter appealed both of them in two thousand six, and Twitter appealed to the the need we all have to go blah, publicly, and it <laughs> served that purpose, and and that subtracted a lot of energy from the blogging community and it was a community there weren't that many in it um oh yeah
0: so everybody knew each other there were blog it, it, everybody the blog close. roll I mean, the links the little blogging blogging circles. Yeah, yeah. and we were all over the
1: place in terms of our our politics i mean glenn reynolds was a a big participant in a very right-wing guy teaches at university of tennessee and um he wrote a, a book i was just looking at over here on my bookshelf called an army of davids um and uh um uh, tony uh oh god tony pierce who today is driving for uber in order to make money is one of the best writers out there and he still has his old blog called the bus blog and it's brilliant and he and he exposes his life and he's worked for the la times and he's worked for other publications but those publications aren't paying people anymore you know if they are they're just content pumps, and so, but, we, but we had this experience of, of writing for a constituency for a period of time and with Facebook, especially if you look at my old blog um, at doc.weblog.com, I think, yeah, weblog, not weblogs, just weblog.com. You'll see a blog roll. We all had blog rolls, which are blog kind role. of, these yep. are our real Good friends, thing. not our Facebook friends, but these are yeah. people whose blogs I like, or I read, or I want you to read. Um, like when you get out of here you might look at some of these these are kind of what substack newsletters are now you know people wrote yeah. meaningful stuff on there i would say there're maybe out of like 150 listed there there're maybe 6 or 8 that are still at those urls all the rest of them you could just see when they died off it's like a, it's a graveyard for blogs and 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 most of them are on facebook you know there are people who and they're brilliant people who right on Facebook, Bob Frankston, David Reed, um, um, Dean Lansman, uh and, and I don't think, I'm not sure either Reed or, or Frankston had a blog in that sense, but they were, they Frankston certainly did. Um, but their great stuff is going on Facebook right now. And it's kind of like snow on the water. It just kind of hits there and sinks. And it's very engaging, but it's all about engagement. And that's, the the switchover that happened there and this is to me the the challenge of decentralization was as my older son alan put it um just offhandedly but in 2003 and i wrote about it in linux journal you can still find it uh uh he said well we're going for this the the live web is growing off the static web the static web is the one that brewster and the art and the internet archive Catalogs, you know, they're they're, they. It's a library, and that's basically what all the Unix paths in the world are, and that's what all of the um, all of the web was in the early days. It was it was a library. It was a it was a it was a whole bunch of catalogs and directories. There were directories within direct. There were files within directories, 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 and that was a coherent thing, and it was relatively stable and. But as soon as the live web came along he saw it happening when um when blogs came along just because blogs were frequent but really it happened when technorati which was born when dave sifri and i wanted to write a or did write a story for linux journal about blogging uh and that's by the way when we discovered drupal and got
0: Later, and the rest was history. Um,
1: yeah, um, we were already on Drupal, I think. But then we we brought Dries in and Dries said, oh, my God, you're two versions back. Fix this. And I think <laughs> it helped out. Um,
0: no, that was that was before my time.
1: It was before your time, but it was but it was happening. But yeah, what. What 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 happened was that Dave Siffrey invented Technorati, which is a search engine just for blogs and it looked at RSS um, Brilliant invention by Dave Weiner. Really simple syndication. I mean, anybody can run. Yet you're no different than the New York Times, which did a, a beautiful job of being like the first major publication to embrace RSS. And RSS is still out there and working really well. That the thing is that oh, ever since everybody had this this chance yeah. that but but what what happened was that Google came along, and it. I, this is another thing. Probably most people don't remember. But and you have to be reminded if you're as old as I am that in the early days of search engine and even of Google, if you changed your website, it might be a month before it showed up in Google's index or in any search engines index. And Google basically shortened it down to now where they're all of it. You you change your website. They've got it. They'll find it. And and that's where what happened to PageRank. PageRank used to be pages, not pages live certain, not live things, it was pages that had links to other things. I have, I have um, Easter eggs, one Easter egg in particular in old things that I wrote that had a word, I'll just say it because you won't be able to spell it. Lurfenstertl. I put the word Lurfenstertl in several files and I can find them still on my laptop. I can't find them on the, on it with a search engine. Google is not looking at that stuff anymore, and I have links to those those pages and it's looking at live stuff. It's the live web. Everything is now and it applies to everything. And this is how do you decentralize that? I don't know, because like with and, and socially we have now. The way young people deal with photography, for example, is I'm shooting something to show my friends or my relatives. I'm gonna keep it for a while. I don't care about the older stuff as much. It's not archival, and photography was, for its entire history until recently, almost entirely for archival purposes. You know, it wouldn't kept these things. I don't think people keep it anymore. I've seen no numbers on this. So I really don't know. But it's part of the liveness of it. But if you're gonna run the live, you're gonna need a lot of centralized services doing that. Yeah. And and I- so. How do you get around that, and it's just a gigantic question uh, and lots and lots of answers and a A good and a bad thing I think is that everybody's working on their own shit you know mm, yeah, so, I can see that and and, I, think... and they all do i mean i and i've I've been dealing with this for seven sixteen years with Project vRm, the project that still exists at the Berkman Klein Center at home to projectvrm.org that it'll redirect from there, but to a longer Harvard address, but projectvrm.org. That has an active list of 500 some people on it, but a lot of developers working on their own stuff. And the stuff doesn't necessarily get along with the other stuff. And there's a lot of, a lot of hand-waving about how we're going to really work on that.
0: Yeah. And it's impossible right. to know if you're working on the right stuff and, and and what is the right stuff. And you've got to work on all of the stuff or else the right stuff doesn't bubble up to the top. And yeah. and-, and it's it, it's a question of participation. I think we we think of it as a technical problem, but really it's a question of human participation and where the humans participate and, and where their free will takes them. And you know how yeah. when we're so yeah. focused yeah. on capturing attention, we don't really think about you know, individual free will and and I don't know yeah, finding people where they are and where they want to be rather than trying to guide yeah. them into where you want them to be
1: here's an interesting moment that happened there there were two moments that actually both of them um larry lessig uh the author of many books um and of eldred versus ashcroft the famous law case that he lost but what came out of that was creative commons as a as a project. Um, uh, co-creator of that with Aaron Swartz, the late Aaron Swartz, uh, and to just the smartest law lawyer, law professor on pretty much everything having to do with tech in a, in a useful way, and an incredibly good speaker. Oh my God, he's so good! And uh, there was a little cocktail party at Brewster Kale's the day before of this. On the way up, he lives at a really nice house, um, not a fancy house, but and what an officer's quarters in the Presidio in San Francisco, which is a gorgeous place, a park that used to be one of the, the most beautiful army base in the world, I guess. And um, and Larry was there. I hadn't seen him in a few years. And one of the things he told me when in our conversation was that really for customer Commons, working on contracts that we can proffer contractual terms we can proffer as people, not as users of other people's systems, but that we could say, for example, here's the contract don't follow me off your site sign here. That's actually a good idea and we've been working on this for years, we have a we have a I triple E P 7012 is our working group on that for machine readable personal privacy terms Uh, David Reed has been involved in that as well. Um, And so, basically he blessed it again, which is really good to hear. But in the course of that, we talked about advertising. And he was not entirely aware what happened to advertising over the last 20 years, which is that it changed from advertising to populations to direct marketing to individuals based on tracking, both called advertising. So at a talk that Larry gave, which is really about the depressing state of democracy in the world right now uh, it's really interesting because Larry works very, very hard to make the world a better place, but he's also kind of i think naturally a bit of a pessimist so <laughs> and but he and he said he was pessimistic about prospects at least in the fairly short term, but a lot of it had to do with how far surveillance capitalism has crept into everything absolutely everything and um as we know you know linux journal was basically killed by surveillance capitalism because we didn't participate and um i was talking to somebody you and i both know but we're i will not mention the name but let's call them a big publisher that has been losing advertisers that are people in the open source world but uh, who, who want the tracking, they want the numbers, they want, they want, they want to get personal with people. And
0: yeah, everybody does. Yeah. And
1: everybody does. Everybody wants the data and
0: the telemetry and yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the entire advertising industry is wrapped around that. Now the, the exception is, you know, the, the big brand ads that go on, on sports and, um, on TV, you know, I mean, you can have some they're beautiful ads that happen on TV. You watch the Super Bowl. There they are. But you can see them on any basketball or football game. And those are aimed at populations. But um, the rest of the business wants to get personal. And to hell with the GDPR and all of the laws about it. They want to get personal. So it was interesting. So Larry in the Q&A after his talk, somebody was asking him about advertising and and he looks at me, and he calls me up on stage. He says, "Doc, I'll answer that. I could answer these questions," which is great because I was able to say that the word advertising is rhetorical camouflage for direct marketing because that's what we have now. Ninety x percent of what you deal with in tech is is surveillance capitalism. That's what it is. It wants to get personal, and and that is that is the norm now, and. It's very hard to even imagine the world without that. But in fact, we had the world without that when we had real advertising. And that yeah. remains a real business model and it doesn't have to get personal. And every brand you can name with two exceptions, I could think of Zara and Trader Joe's has been made by advertising um, of the old kind. Maybe Costco got along with it because it just came out there, but, or maybe CVS. I, don't, I never see ads for, for CVS, so maybe I'm missing it. but um I mean you just you put your you know put your stores everywhere and you kinda of don't need yeah. the ads anymore. But anyway, it it that was that was kind of encouraging because what happened was that <laughs> several people dropped out of the line of people at the microphone. Um, you know, the audience microphone, people kind of lined up behind this mic to ask questions. Some of them just went back and sat down because the advertising questions that I had just answered, and I probably wasn't up there more than two minutes. But that was an interesting thing to me because, and many people came up to me afterwards saying, "I had no idea. I had no idea that 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 there were two completely different things called advertising, and only one of them was really advertising, and the other is direct marketing, That's um, interesting. which is junk mail." Yeah,
0: I wonder though if people. So you know, I think finally the you know Shoshana Zuboff's surveillance capitalism idea is becoming fairly mainstream you know a lot yeah, of people talk you know. yeah a lot of people throw that phrase out there but i wonder if people will pay a little bit more attention once you zero in on some of the other consequences for example this week the eff came out with the story um about a law enforcement surveillance software. It basically it's you know it's a data brokers selling your your location data to law enforcement where they can swoop it all up in this massive warrantless search situation. Yeah. They can zero in, you know, a device level and see where a person has has been every right. you know every step they've taken without a warrant. And it's that kind of thing that where you kind of think people might pay more attention, but I don't know. I don't think so, because that's the type of thing where you think, well, that doesn't affect me. I'm a law abiding citizen. and so. right. But, I, but I, I don't think they realize that it could, right? You know, if they're looking for yeah, somebody who's well, near if... you, they will still going to swoop up your data and you just, you never know. You, you just never know. Um
1: Yeah, it turns into China. You know, I mean, it's like. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Yeah. we're followed everywhere. And that's. I'm I'm not doing anything wrong. So there's no problem. And um, not realizing that pretty much all of substantive progress (laughs) historically has been made by somebody intentionally doing something wrong when the status quo has been um, banned in some ways.
0: Not not to get political, as you uh, mentioned at the beginning, where people who are on certain. But, you yeah. know, now that being female is being criminalized in most of the country, I think people need to pay a little bit more attention to this kind of uh, revelation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's, um, I I think the... So
0: maybe that's a tipping point, I don't know.
1: It might be a tipping point, yeah. Maybe uh, we can
0: figure out uh, no, and, and digital the, autonomy and protecting our rights online. Right,
1: you know, I mean, I, I think there's actually a fair amount of agreement about privacy. Yeah, um, that, it, and, I think and, there and is too. And Big tech and all that stuff. So when that stuff, I, I I'm, i I know I remain guardedly optimistic. And I also think that the, you know, we've had, uh, Augustine Fu on here a couple of times. And I can't believe how many times he just pulls the pants down on, on, on the advertising business and nothing happens. <laughs> but I think at some point it does, you know, I mean, he's, he's the guy pointing at the emperor and saying, this is a naked guy. And he is, it is a naked emperor. and. Um, at some point, that thing—you know—to switch metaphors, that that bubble pops.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Or, or I hope it does. Anyway, you never know.
0: Okay. Well, I'll need, ask one to last go question. Get... Maybe. So this is a very, this is a casual, this is a camp, very much like literally you were in a tent. It is a camp. Um, I
1: was in a tent. And here's a. So we're not going to
0: get recorded sessions or anything like that. You where you can check it out. But I is think there it's any... quite
1: possible that that a lot of this sure. stuff will show up online. I think. I just, oh, okay. Or, or at um, least I, in written form. Know. Or I don't know. Um, I'd, I, I'd love it if the sprightly stuff uh, that was uh, some really technical stuff that was interesting to me um, shows up online. Uh, okay, I noticed
0: it, a few familiar faces. Previous guests, for example, um, I think were there maybe presenting some ideas, and I wondered, um, you know, if there were if there were places where our listeners could go and find uh, some of that. I'll see if I can find some links. Yeah, let them, me, I I,
1: I I have a bunch of links in, in various emails that I've s- sent out and I've put together. So let me see oh, what cool. I can do. And I have some pictures while I was there with my new camera, which is unreally good. It's a Sony A7 IV. Oh, very IV. cool. Uh, very uh, we'll cool. link to
0: some of that. Maybe Hey, maybe we can get some photos in a newsletter. <laughs> that yeah. would be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a great event. And uh, I... I you know, I'm I'm hopeful that some inspiration comes out of it and some interesting work. Yeah, I, you know, I I think
1: it will. I mean, it's I, nice I was, that people
0: are getting together again and doing things like one,
1: this. One one left this thing. I, I mean, I did anyway. Feeling like, hey, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on. There's a lot of hope and That's and good. a lot of young good people and some older folks too doing some amazing stuff. Uh, that that uh, you know. Makes me feel good, so
0: good. You need the, you need both. You need the mentors and the mentees.
1: Yeah, stuff. yeah. Okay, all right
0: Well, thanks, thanks until for for the time. for the the roundup and and thanks everybody <laughs> for listening and, and we'll we'll drop those links in and until next time.